This is Behind the Typewriter, a 101 guide to the world of writing and publishing. From coming up with a novel-worthy idea to launching your writing career. Your favorite authors and industry insiders will join us each episode to share their wisdom and help you become a better writer. I'm Yasemin. I'm Nina. We are your hosts. And this is your glimpse into the world behind the typewriter. Welcome to the first episode. Hi, Nina. Hi, Yasemin. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. Yeah. We're talking about writing. This is the first episode that's about the whole writing process and we're talking to people who decided to write a book maybe it's their new year's resolution but where do you start yeah and like a lot of writers get the question what inspired you to write a book like where do your ideas come from how do they enter your brain and how do they get onto the page i think ideas can be plenty and ideas can be scarce so Nina, do you have a lot of ideas for books you want to write? Uh, I get many ideas all the time. Uh, the question <laughs> is, are they good enough to turn into a book? How do I know? That's a very good question. And I am very happy to announce we have an expert with us today. She's an absolute pro at ideas. Our guest today is Jessica Burkhardt, who is the author of 26 books, including the Cantowit Crest series, with over 1.6 million copies in print in multiple languages. In May 2023, her queer equestrian middle grade series, Saddle Hill Academy, debuts from Simon & Schuster. Hi, Jess. Hi, Hi, Jessica. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No, we're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. And on the first episode, too. It's wild. Yeah. I know. You're you're our debut guest on the podcast. I'm honored. I'm so excited. We are honored. <laughs> well, thank you. I know. I feel like I've known Yaz for a while online. And getting yeah. to meet and hang out and chat is fun. It's quite strange when you, see, um, when you meet someone on Twitter and you're mutuals for a while and you keep chatting. But you never actually have a face to put to the name. I know, it is. So I feel like I just got invited to the cool people table. I'm so, oh my god, I get to talk with you. Great. <laughs> I don't know if I belong here, but I'm excited. You do. It'll be fun. Nina, just remember, on Wednesdays we wear pink. Oh, yeah. You can't sit with us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Jess, so your forthcoming book is called Sweet and Bitter Rivals, and it's the first book in your new series. Can you give us a short summary What's it? what it's about? Sure. So Sweet and Bitter Rivals is about a queer 12-year-old girl who is attending Saddle Hill Academy and rides for their equestrian team. And it's a spinoff of my first 20-book middle grade series, Canterwood Crest. And it's been, gosh, that series premiered in 2009 and went until 2015. So it's been a minute. And I think it'll be interesting for readers of Canterwords to see how these two worlds, they're in the same universe, but how they come together um, with a new cast, new horses, and some cameos by old favorites from Canterwood. That's amazing. Oh my god, I can't wait to see what characters come back. It's been so much fun and it's been extremely difficult not to spoil it on Twitter because <laughs> I'm getting all of these messages and even on TikTok people are like bring back Sasha no I want to see Heather what's Eric doing where's Jacob <laughs> like give us all the details and I want to scream about all the things I'm doing but I don't want to spoil it so 
it's hard. You have to keep the secrets so they can buy the book. I know, I know. <laughs> I just want to tell people. So with this being a spin-off series, but a completely new set of characters, including horses, and a new setting as well, mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a bit about where the idea for Sweet and Bitter Rivals came from? Sure. The idea came from wanting to do sort of an updated take on today's modern horse girl. And for me personally, it was, I came out last year and I wanted to make my equestrian in this series openly queer. And it was really important for me to be able to do that. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start with this queer 12-year-old and throw her into the equestrian world. What are some things I can do to make it fresh and modern while still throwing it back to Canterwood? So I watched and consumed a lot of media for kids and teens. I watched a lot of shows. I read a lot of books and just kind of took things from all of different media that I was reading and watching and took what I like and sort of blended it <laughs> together. And out came a great book. Hopefully. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's the first of four, um, and I wanted to make sure that we kind of started off with a bang. So there's this thriller, blackmailer element in book one, and it's something that I've always liked doing in Canterwood. There's so much drama. Yes, give me all the drama. Yes, I'm like, let me take that <laughs> next level, and let's have a blackmailer element. Oh my God. So it, it's really fun. It's like horse girl meets telenovelas yes and i grew up on soaps so i yeah. oh yeah i was a big general <laughs> hospital all my children mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. watcher so i draw a lot from soaps and i think having that sort of oh this could be all solved if we had a good conversation but we don't so it keeps the drama going <laughs> <laughs> that's that's i think That is at the heart of so many like really dramatic series, whether it be TV series or book series. Yes. Like, people just don't talk. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit frustrating to read, but actually people don't talk to each other. It's very realistic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, they, or there's just miscommunication. People do talk, but they don't understand each other mm -hmm. and what the person mm -hmm. is saying or the intent. And I think especially now with so much communication being done via texting or DM, it's hard sometimes to really get intent mm -hmm. if we're not talking face-to-face. -face. So there's a lot of room for miscommunication. Right. So you mentioned that you came out last year and you wanted to put that in a book that was still very much you and very much true to the essence of what you had already written and published. So do you think that sort of matches the big what-if method that a lot of writers talk about? So just to clarify what I mean, it's constantly asking what if XYZ happened or what if XYZ was different? Mm -hmm. I do. I absolutely do. I think that's a useful method, the what-if method, to bring or breathe fresh new life into tropes. So sorry, can I just really quick, can you explain tropes for sure. our listeners who don't know? 
Yeah, so tropes are just common elements that we see a lot in different types of literature. Like a trope can be the mean girls or the new girl. And it's all about, okay, we've told this story before. How do we make it fresh? Let's play the what if game. So in my instance with Saddle Hill, it was, all right, we want an equestrian. What if she was queer? All right, what if... Unlike Sasha from Canerwood, what if Abby, my main character, has a sister? What if her sister is also queer? So it's about looking at things that we've seen time and time again and sort of putting a little twist or a fresh spin on them. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so true. Like you said, um, you know, what if this equestrian horse girl main character was queer and a lot of other marginalized people have been doing this you know we've seen so much fantasy in the YA community come out in the last couple of years that was just you know what if we had this epic fantasy romance but the main characters were queer or what if we had this amazing quest but it was set in the Middle East yes absolutely and I think it's just trying to figure out what will work and what will naturally sort of go together and then discovering things that you didn't think would work. Like in Canerwood, it's Sasha's very first year at boarding school when the series Mm -hmm. opens. Well, in Saddle Hill, it's Abby's second year. So it's about looking at things like books that we love and thinking, how can I make it different? And it's asking yourself, what if I did this? What if I tried that? So what I am asking myself right now is, what if I had had a book like Sweet and Bitter Rivals when I was that age? Like, I would have eaten that up. I just, I was also an equestrian and I loved all the equestrian books. I was a little horse girl. But of course, there was no queer representation. Um, We talked about it last episode. I only figured out that I'm bisexual when I was like 25 because I didn't know that was an option. I didn't really... um, understand um, what I was feeling and maybe I could have figured that out sooner if I had had a book like that. Sure and for me too I grew up in a time when there was no queer rep in a lot of lit but especially in horse lit. You know I devoured the saddle club, I read the thoroughbred books, I read every type of horse book I could get my hands on and I knew that I was gay as a kid but I didn't have the words to, like you, to describe myself. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I was different. But I didn't see myself in the books I was reading. So it made me feel a certain way about myself. So I'm really mm-hmm. hoping now with all of the diverse kidlet that we've been given that's so amazing, I hope more kids don't grow up like we did and not have the words for it or not know that this is an option. Yeah. And who knows what amazing stories they will come up with um, mm-hmm. using what if um, yes. you know, that they have a, a fountain of knowledge that we didn't have at that age. So. Absolutely. They might take it even further. They'll, yeah. they'll read um, the Saddle Hill Academy books and they're going to be like, but what if they were set in space? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see that, please. Yeah. But yeah, it's about just asking yourself those questions and letting your imagination go in any direction and not holding yourself back and just seeing 
what strikes your fancy? What makes you excited to sit down and write the story? I think this excitement definitely comes in when you talk about, you know, what's an inspiration and what is an actual idea. Mm-hmm. So to me, inspiration is that feeling of wanting to create, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you're inspired, you want to get creative, you want to write or paint or I don't know, compose music. So you could go to a museum or to a library and feel inspired at the end of the day because you've been surrounded by so much literary goodness. <laughs> but an idea is more of a thought. It's, it's a concept. Um, so if you go to the library and you start thinking, you know, what if there was a secret library right beneath my feet that stored all the magical books? And that idea can then be inspiring because you're so excited by the idea that you feel inspired to write. But that idea is not yet a story. Right. Yeah, I think trying to have that initial spark and saying, you know, playing the what if game first, and then thinking about, do I see the potential for a journey here for my character, be it a physical journey from x place to y place or an emotional journey or growth or an achievement that they might want mm-hmm. or a romance or a friendship whatever it may be and i think it's about taking those elements and seeing if you can play some kind of if x happens y would happen and then and trying to even just write a one sentence of what you think this idea could be and then you're off and running to create a story you are a pro writer because you've already started spinning forward and you inserted a character into the equation <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> also I, I feel like i want to be writing this down like oh yes of course yes oh my, i feel like i can just immediately start it sounds so easy when you're you tell inspired. It like yes. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're ready to go play the what if game. You've had enough of yeah. the podcast. You're just going to leave us and, and start going. Yeah, I Bye, just Nina. might. <laughs> See you later. Nice to meet you. <laughs> no, Nina, stay. I yeah. you. I will contain myself. I can sustain okay. this energy until after we're finished. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll be writing all night about characters go on a journey but there's also some other stuff that goes in here so um how do you decide for example where a story is going to be set or who the story is going to be about or what the journey is going to be so for setting i think it can influence tone so so Mm -hmm. so much think of if a story is set at a seaside village how different that would be from a story set in Manhattan and New York City. The vibes are completely (laughs) different, right? So I think kind of determining setting is one of the first things that I like to do. And for me, thinking about Canterwood and Saddle Hill, I know that horse culture is very different in New England here than it is out West because most people in New England ride English and out West it's more cowboys, cowgirls you know, calf roping, that sort of thing. 
So right away, I had to decide, okay, is Abby, Abby's not a calf roper. She's not a barrel, barrel racer. She's writing English. So let's mm-hmm. keep her in New England. And it's about thinking, what types of seasons do I want to use in my story? What type of drama could a snowstorm bring? Or, you know, a sandstorm if I set it out west? You know, is public transportation something they're going to use? And yes, like, I want to have as many options available to me to kind of tell the story. So I really like working with setting. And then I kind of go, okay, what type of character do I want? What's the character going to be like? And it's kind of taking a blend of little bits of characters that I've loved from different media and thinking about them and spinning them around in my brain and coming up with somebody new. And I love like fan casting my characters. Mm-hmm. Like I like creating mood boards and going to find an actor that I think could represent them in my head. And then like for Abby's case, it would be finding a 12 year old, even a model. Like I love looking at modeling agencies and pulling up their headshots and finding models that I go, okay, I can write a story about this kid, like, with this certain look. And yeah, like, those are my first big two things that I like mm-hmm. doing. I love that. Can you share your fan cast for Saddle Hill Academy? So I don't know their names because in this aspect, I really did just use models' faces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, like, it was really kind of strange for Cannerwood because we used real models on the cover mm-hmm. and one of them became a pretty popular actress now. Um, Wait, you need to oh. share the name. I need to Google this right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Odea Rush is the model for Jasmine mm-hmm. King and she has done some different TV work and print work and she is a huge model now, which is pretty cool and kind of wild. So you have an idea and you have the main characters and the setting, which lays the groundwork for you to turn it into a story. I think my next question would be, how do you decide whether an idea or, or a story is worthy of making it a novel? I'm not sure if you've published maybe spin-off novellas or short stories, but what sort of is the spark for you? That's true. Ricky, because there are so many, like I keep this idea notebook, right? Like most of us writers do, where we just have, we just dump little, even two words sometimes where we're like, this is an idea. And it can be one word, two words, whatever. It's about, I think for me, looking at that idea, doing some serious deep thinking on it and going, can I write at least in my case, for middle grade, 50,000 words about this. Mm -hmm. Is there 50,000 words of a potential story that I think takes a reader on a journey? And I might not know it at the time. I might have these ideas that are just little snippets. But if I play the what-if game enough with Mm -hmm. certain ideas, then I can probably turn it into something that would work in novel length. Speaking from a complete craft standpoint here, when you play with an idea, do you do that in your notebook or do you do it in your head? Can you share a bit of the process there? 
Sure. Um, I like to play with it in my head first, and that might take months. There are some ideas that I've just been marinating that I'm not even actively thinking about, but they're mm-hmm. in my brain. And I know at some point I want to work on that, but maybe I don't have the time or maybe it's just not sparking me enough to really sit down and put that time into that idea at that specific moment. So I like to think about it first and try to see if I can come up with a little loose plot in my head. And then I'll get on my computer. I used to do everything by paper, but now I'm just like an iPad and computer person because I can just take that anywhere. Mm. Um, or I'll even write on my phone sometimes, just like playing with ideas. Me too. I yeah. the notes app. Yes, it's just so convenient. And then it's with you everywhere you go. So why not? Yep. Yeah. I also have a question. Like, what if I have an idea that I'm really enamored by, but it's not quite working? Like, even if I play the what if game, I get stuck somewhere, but I can't give up on the idea. Is there something I can do? I would say in that case, what I like to do is just kind of start writing. Like, I'm a big outliner. Mm-hmm. And I, if I have an idea and I'm like, it's almost there but it's not quite there I'll do a little bit of pre-writing just to see how I feel like do I find myself um, being pulled one way or the other by a character or something might come up that I didn't even consider as I just start writing I might write like a prologue chapter that I never publish that no one ever sees but it just sort of gets me into the mindset of what I'm doing and if I start to get stuck Um, after I've done that sort of Mm pre-writing then I go back to outlining and like that's a huge step for me as far as turning an idea into a book I love the save the cat method I'm a (laughs) huge 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 like plotter I've never pantsed anything before I'm very like if I sit down and try to come up with chapters that I have an outline I just pan it I just start sweating. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. What the heck? So I've got to outline. And I always do chapter by chapter outlines from my, from my books. Mm-hmm. They might change, of course, as I'm actually writing. But at least I've got a sentence or two about what might happen where. Can I just cut in really quick? Because our next episode is going to be about, you know, plotting and pantsing and what all these things mean. What is an outline? So I just wanted to give a real quick definition for the listeners that have not heard these words before. A plotter is someone who does an outline, so they sort of create a synopsis before they start writing, whereas a pantser is someone who is flying by the seat of their pants. They just wing it. They have an idea and then they just go forth and write it without much of a plan in their mind. And the other thing you mentioned is the safety cat method. Save the Cat is a book by Blake Snyder, who created a beat sheet. So he created a structure that you can use to outline your book by. Oh, we should get into that next episode. That sounds interesting. And both methods are completely valid. I know plenty of pantsers who do not outline and that's how they really get into discovering their story. Like I said, for me personally, it just leads to a lot of panic and frustration <laughs> because I don't know where to go. And I feel like when I do outline, I do all of my really hard thinking outlining so that when I'm sitting down to write, I am 
just able to write and not have to do a lot of that really hard plotting work. So would you say that outlining helps you prevent sort of getting halfway through the novel and realizing, you know, this idea has sort of panned out, there's not enough there for the idea? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, I can see as I'm outlining and laying it all out chapter by chapter by chapter, if there's a hole or if I can't finish the outline or like I can see those spots in the outline. So then I'm able to spend that time before I get into the book fixing it instead of getting into the book, getting frustrated and going, I'm stuck. I cannot finish this. I don't know what to do or where to go from here. Amazing. Right. Sorry. Nina, did you have a follow-up question? That was basically all. <laughs> a really long and amazing answer relating to your question. Yeah, no. Um, what I'm hearing is that I should get back to outlining for my idea. And maybe I will uh, come up with uh, something that will save the idea. I think give it a try. It's really yeah. useful, especially if you found yourself getting stuck in a story. Just let yourself get the beats from Save the Cat, sit down and figure out each of those beats. That'll really help you see where you need to put what. And it sort of gives you a guide to writing your story, no matter what kind of story you're writing. They have so many different beat sheets for all kinds of stories. Yeah, just uh, from a cursory Google search, there's always something else you can try. Like, I'm kind of stuck right now, but I won't give up. There's still something that could really jog your inspiration and get you going again so absolutely and brainstorm with friends too like talk to your other writer friends or people Mm -hmm. who aren't writers and give them the brief rundown and say this is the idea this is the story i want to tell but i'm stuck here what would you do and talk to talk it through and you might find yourself spilling out things or having them give you advice back of things you never thought of or things that would sort of jog your memory and get you going again. One thing that always helps me is also engaging with media that's similar to what I'm writing Mm -hmm. because they will use tropes or they will use characters that are similar to what I have included in my book and it will spark a new idea in my head the way they've done it. I can go, but what if I do it different in my book? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, also just um, having someone else ask questions about your idea um, can really, either you already know the answer or you're coming up with an answer and then you can get going again. Absolutely. I think developing an idea into a book can be kind of hard if you just do it for yourself. So there's a lot of help like you mentioned the Blake Snyder beat sheet there's obviously also character forms character sheets where you can put in all the information about your character to help you flesh out an idea for a character you might have had mm-hmm. absolutely and while you're doing those and filling those out you may think I am never going to use this like I I'm never going to use this fact about my character okay you might not but that could spark something to where you're like, but what if? And you're back to that great question. I also have to say I'm a big believer in Pinterest. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, me too. How many locked boards on Pinterest do I have? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going to guess at least 50. 
and playlists for my characters and for my concepts. <laughs> I love having a browser on Pinterest, just spending 30 minutes really finding things that work with one story I have in my mind, one idea I have in my mind, because you will come across a really random picture and it will just make something click. Like you will see a picture of a gold coin on a sandy beach and for some reason that will make you think oh wait my character has never actually been in the mountains yes <laughs> <laughs> and it makes no sense like the jumps that you might make from "Ooh, this picture sparks this but it, it just makes your character or your setting or your book different and that's mm -hmm. really fun yeah yeah, I have another question. Like, um, yes, I mean, you said when you get stuck, you um, seek out media that's similar mm -hmm. to what you're writing. But while you're doing this, how do you um, kind of avoid the problem of your idea becoming repetitive? I think that's the issue of the whole, you know, every idea has already been written, mm -hmm. but it hasn't been written by you. Yes, that is the truth. There is no one who can put the spin in your voice for a story but you and yes you may say okay like with Canterwood I'm going to take the three mean girl trope against the new girl trope at a boarding school which we've seen a bazillion times but nobody has told that story in my voice and with mm -hmm. your works you might be consuming a whole bunch of shows to try to like Yasmin said to get you going And you're probably pulling all kinds of different things and mashing them all together and creating something fresh. Something that could have only been blended together that exact way in your little brain blender. Yes. <laughs> so if I told you that I want to write a Cinderella story today, you would say, go for it. It's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely, because who else has the background that you have, the lived experience that you have, the childhood that you have, all of those things. Nobody else does. And I think you can't only pull from your own experiences here, but also your Cinderella story might be so different because of your special interests. Mm -hmm. So for Jess, obviously, she has a lot of interest in horses. And you, Nina, you might have an interest in mummies. And then you write a Cinderella story <laughs> with a mummy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Cinderella would definitely be a gardener. Would just spend all of her time in go. the garden. <laughs> I love it. But see, again, that's fresh and that's different. And it's just not being afraid to take from what works, throw away what doesn't, and infuse yourself and your interest. And those things that make you kind of sit up in the middle of the night and go, ooh, this is fun, or this is exciting, <laughs> or I like this. That's the best part about writing for me, when you get that feeling. Yes. Oh, what a rush. It's the best. I've actually started keeping a notebook. It's just one notebook that's a running list of all the stuff I love. So all the things that we just said we would throw in a blender. Mm -hmm. and, it can, and it can be so minuscule. <laughs> like, I think one of the things on there is I really like stories about amnesia which would be a whole trope in and of itself. But then I also like stories that <laughs> include pocket watches. <laughs> and that's, that's so random. But, you know, a story about someone who has amnesia, but the pocket watch is the missing clue that helps them regain their memory. 
that's not been written before. Yep, exactly. Okay, so I just love reading stories that have fake dating in them. Do you think <laughs> Cinderella could kind of be fake dating the prince? Absolutely. I think there's something there. Yes. <laughs> Wait, but there is... You can put that one in your blender. I think it's called Cinderella is Dead, which is, I believe, a queer Cinderella retelling where Cinderella fake dates the prince. Okay. Don't cool. necessarily quote me on this because <laughs> I would have to research, but... <laughs> Jess, with, uh, we've been talking about, you know, you put your own spin on things, all your childhood influences, your interests, everything that makes you you goes into your ideas. But now you've written almost 30 books. How do you still... <laughs> they need to stop ideas? me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I will stop the person who tries to stop okay. you. <laughs> I'm like, aren't y'all tired of me yet? Apparently not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I've been meaning to ask is, how do you keep all those ideas separate? How do you not keep constantly repeating yourself? Well... In the instance of Saddle Hill, I went back and reread all of Canterwood, all 20 books, because I did want to make sure, you know, things blend together after a while. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't telling any kind of story that I'd done. But the thing is, they're all new characters. It's a whole new world and setting. And Anything that Abby might do that people would go, well, Sasha tried to make the writing team too. And now Abby is, they're not the same. You know, it's coming at it through a new lens almost with a fresh take. And I think it's just creating, like we've been talking about, stuff in your brain blender that you really almost can't duplicate stuff at a certain point. Like, everything you do, you really don't write it the same, even if you were to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write this book today, and then 10 years later, I'm going to write this same book again. I don't think you'd write it the same way. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of um, not necessarily novel writing related, but Taika Waititi, the director and screenwriter, has said that the way he writes screenplays is by writing them setting them aside for a couple of months, rereading them, and then just trashing the screenplay and writing it from scratch again as he does that day. And everything that he remembers from the screenplay, he's just trashed. That's the stuff that really interests him. Ooh, that's fascinating. I had not heard that before, but that's really something to think about. <laughs> but also, I would say that can't be too much of a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's loved the first 20 of your books will also love the other ones. Just be so happy that you're writing more. Oh, I hope so. I really do. It's a scary time, especially in the United States where I live. So many mm. queer books are being banned and being mm. challenged. Mm. And there are new laws coming out every day where librarians here are being faced with jail time. Um, oh my god. For Yeah, for even stalking books with the mention of the word queer in them and it's terrifying um but i really have to hope that i'll be able to get my books into the hands of kids mm -hmm. who need them mm -hmm. wow what a scary time like it is yeah it really is i've been aware that you know book bannings were happening but i wasn't aware of how bad it had gotten in the u.s 
Mm-hmm. It's really bad, really bad. And it just, it affects so many authors. And I hope that we're able to do something, try to figure out a way to combat this because it's the kids who wind up suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is also the time when kids would need those books Absolutely. the most. I think it all, though, ties into what we've been talking about today, which is ideas. And mm. for me, it's I want to tell stories that kids both need today and that entertain them. I yeah. just want kids to be able to read my books, be happy, feel like it's a comfort read. And one of the things that makes me just feel on top of the world is when people say, I've reread your books 50 times until they fell apart. <laughs> and that's what I want. Those are the ideas yeah. that I want to nurture and create. I love that. I think with kids being so drawn to stories of all kinds and really clamoring to them, like we see it especially in films how Frozen has exploded and how many little girls loved Elsa so much and you giving little kids or not quite as little, middle grade, uh, mostly girls, I assume, mm-hmm. the the space to see themselves as a queer girl who's interested in horses, queer girl who likes, you know, going out on riding tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my equestrian vocabulary is a bit rusty. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, giving them the space to see themselves is so important. And I think it's also why the book bannings are happening because seeing yourself gives you power. Yes, it does. And there are certain people who don't want marginalized folks to have power. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is true. And it's just, I just want to make kids happy and I want to make kids smile. And there's so much going on in the world today, especially that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want them to kind of forget for a little bit about stuff that's going on and lose themselves in what I've created. I love that. Yeah, that's so important to have that kind of respite from everything. Like, I certainly know that books have been there for me in tough times. And I mean, it's amazing if you have the ability to gift that to someone. Yeah, I think there's this sort of strange notion that escapist books books that are really just supposed to be fun and take you out of your own world are somehow less worthy than the high literary books Mm -hmm. that are put out that sort of take you five years to get through. Sure. (laughs) But in instances like this, and especially when it comes to kids, I would argue it's almost the other way around. I I would have to agree. You know, I... When I got my agent and I was in college, there I was so excited to tell a TA in my English class that I got an agent. And when I told her this, she failed me in her class. I went from an A to an F overnight. What? There was a whole big thing. Had to meet with the dean. It was a huge mess. And come to find out, it came about because of jealousy, but also because... I was writing commercial fiction. Mm-hmm. And there, I just, I hate that writers fight amongst themselves. 
read whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. I don't care. I love writing commercial fiction and that's just my thing. But we don't need to be fighting amongst ourselves, you know, and writing's hard enough. Like, we just need to support each other and not do things like failing people <laughs> when they decide to pursue commercial fiction. Yeah, also writing can be super lonely. It's such a more rewarding experience if you have author friends and you can Absolutely. share. Amazing. Um, Jess, is there anything you wanted to specifically talk about maybe that we've not gotten into yet? I think we've covered everything that I can think of on this topic. Well, I wanted okay. to thank you both so much, Nina and Yasmin, for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Thank so you. So great. So easy to chat with you both. And yeah, I am looking forward to Saddle Hill Academy premiering May 30th of this year. And if anybody wants to follow me online, you can find me on all socials from TikTok to Insta to Twitter um, at Jessica Burkhart. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jess. You were an inspiration and I have many new ideas that I will now take forward with this inspiration. Oh yeah. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience. Like uh, that was invaluable. Oh, really. I'm so glad I had a blast. It was so fun to chat with you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for listening. This was Behind the Typewriter, a step-by-step -step writing craft podcast hosted by Yasemin and Nina. You can find us on Twitter and our handle is at bttypewriter.